Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. This is Tyler Schaffner. If this is your first time here, well, thanks for stopping by and taking a listen. This week, guys, we're going to be talking about stress testing your deal for success. And I know for uh, new folks, you might be wondering what stress testing means. Does that mean you get on a treadmill, you run up and down hills and see if you have a heart attack or not? I know if you're in your 50s like I am, your doctor starts telling you maybe it's time for a stress test. You know, that's not the type of stress test we're talking about. However, we do need to stress test our deals or our potential deals. And guys, before you tune out and think, oh, I'm not an active investor, I'm a passive investor. You need to learn how to stress test these deals also, because if you're investing in someone else's deal, you can't quite count on them stress testing it to the same degree you would. You're going to, you're putting a lot of faith and, and, uh, belief into the team and what their ability can be to, to work through a tough time. You really should get good at uh, underwriting or at least a general knowledge of underwriting so that you can take a look at these deals. You can stress test them. You can look at their data points. You can look at their projections and you can come up with what is reasonable to expect. And here's why I bring this up. I'm a guy that learns from the, both the, the mistakes and the, uh, the wins of others. And I literally watch and sit through every webinar that's out there that I know about for multifamily properties, for hotels, for, vacant land for uh, biz ops, all kinds of stuff, oil and gas, because that's how I learn, guys. Now, I'm not looking for things, looking for mistakes necessarily. More importantly, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what are they doing and why? How can I do what I do better? Because I'm raising money. You guys know that. I'm raising money for a Key West cash flow. And uh, it, we want to make sure that we're doing things the best way possible. We want to be as efficient as possible. So, one of the things I see a lot of folks don't do, and even in today's market, even you know things have changed. On last few weeks, last few months, it's kind of been a little topsy turvy as far as the news cycle, all everything that's going on with the economy. You know, Putin is blamed for everything. The war in Ukraine is the reason why gas is expensive, supposedly, and all this other drama. There's just so much going on; it's hard to keep track of what which way is up and which way is down. So, we need to look at raw data. And there's a lot of talk and a lot of speculation about market crashes and, you know, whether that be the stock market or the housing market or Bitcoin, a lot of people making emotional decisions right now. And unfortunately, when people make or emotional decisions, it, it impacts the data. And that's the thing about data. It's like, you got to take, it's important. It matters. You got to definitely consider it, but you also have to ask yourself, how accurate is the data? How accurate is the data point? You know, if a bunch of people go out and let's talk a Bitcoin for a second, right? The what happens in the Bitcoin market is derived from the buying and selling activity in the marketplace in a given period of time. So day traders of of the cryptocurrencies a lot of times will see a big sell-off. Maybe, I don't know, some rich guy decides he wants to sell a whole bunch of his Bitcoin because I don't know, is he's mad at his girlfriend. Well, who knows? And when they see that sell-off, that will trigger a response. A lot of times there's computers doing trading for people that will trigger a response that something's going on and they should sell to protect themselves from downside risk. Well, if you're using the that as a data point and the, if the reason why there was a big sell-off is because one guy had a bad day, then you could miss out on a lot of opportunity. And frankly, you could wind up r running yourself broke pretty darn quick uh, 
getting tied up in that. And that doesn't, it's not just a Bitcoin thing, guys, or a cryptocurrency thing. That, that applies to the stock market. And to a large degree, it applies to the real estate market. Now, the difference is in the real estate market, things don't generally happen overnight. However, I've seen an interesting trend this time around. And keep in mind, guys, if you remember, I don't know if you were around during 2008 uh, recession or you were in the real estate space or not, but I was. And it took a long time for things to kick in. That's why, depending on who you ask and what part of the country they are working in, they'll, the year of the crash was different. Some people say it was in 06. Other people say it was in 07. Other people say it was in 08. So when you're looking at these different uh data aggregators or data points when you're looking at the 2008 crash and you're like counting back years keep in mind that the crash happened in different time frames across the country because it doesn't with real estate things don't happen overnight across the country however lately with this whole talk of the fed chairman uh raising the interest rates which is something they had to do you know we can sit there and, and cry and complain about it all we want bottom line is the Fed's risk is not responsible to hold up the, the stock market or the real estate market or the cryptocurrency market. Their job is to control inflation. That's what their job is. So when they need to increase customers for consumer spending, they will lower interest rates that causes people to buy. And when they want to slow down people's spending because they go too crazy, because, you know, this is why we can't have, have, have nice things. You drop interest rates too low and you keep them low for too long. And then you give everybody stimmy checks, or at least most people. I didn't get one, and that's so not fair. But anyway, uh, those who qualified for stimu stimulation chairs, stimulus checks, go out and spend, spend, spend. So they're, they're, I'm really surprised that they act surprised that we're going into, or we are in, depending on who you talk to or what news cycle you watch, a recession. I mean, of course we're going to a recession. You gave everybody stimulus money and you kept interest rates ridiculously low and you literally gave everybody a credit, uh, a loan that wanted one again. We've already been here. So when we look at these data points, COVID is a big one. Uh, we saw this down in Key West when we we're looking at, uh, Seaport Inn. We were looking at it. You can look at the occupancy numbers last year and to a large degree this year and go, well, wow, that's great. But at the end of the day, the way we underwrote that deal is we went back to 2019, 2018, 2017, and then decided to go a, a running 10 year average because we couldn't, we knew that obviously when you lock people in a cage, COVID, and then you give them stimmy checks and then you let them out. They come and spend money, and a lot of them come to Key West. So the numbers in Key West, if you look at AirDNA and other data sets, uh, Realtor.com, Redfin, things like that, you'll see that the numbers are, the data's flawed, guys. You can't make purchase decisions based on 2020 or 2021 data as, a, as an entirety. I mean, you have to look beyond that. What you're looking for is trends. So we, we're, Mike and I are very conservative. We don't want to... Fiscally conservative, that is. We don't want to overshoot a market. We don't want to make a major mistake with our money or somebody else's money. So we're very conservative. Now, when you look at a 10-year timeline, for example, that gives you a good feeling for what's going on. It, it identifies spikes and identifies surges. So you can look at those. When you stress test your deals, it's kind of hard to stress test against COVID, guys. It is. But Rod Khalif had said this in a podcast a while back. A couple of years ago, he had talked about, uh, maybe it was his boot camp. Doesn't matter. He had talked about the need for stress testing for extreme vacancy because at the end of the day, who COVID taught everybody a new lesson. Who knew they would shut down 
uh, small businesses and they would prevent people from going to work and that you could, how do you stress test for that? Well, you can still do that. You look at your vacancy numbers, guys, and you got to ask yourself if the poo poo hits the fan, which we all know can happen any minute. If COVID didn't teach you that, you're not paying attention. Um, but things can hit the fan. The government can get involved and regulate things. And now a lot of folks are sitting on the sidelines, not doing anything because of that. They're so crippled in fear that, uh, of something happening, uncle Joe having a bad hair day that they're not doing anything. And the problem with that guys is that's over stress testing. It's going to create your own stress because in the process, you're going to go broke. You're not going to miss out on any loss. You're not going to you're missing out on gain, and that's the thing you have to think about. So when you're getting into stress testing these deals, make sure you don't go over the top. You know, sitting in the sidelines, this is the time. There's blood in the streets right now, or blood in the water, depending on how you look at it. And it's a great time to get out there and get your marketing going and start talking to people and, and putting offers out because, yes, people still have their are a little bit in the fog, and they think everything's fine, and Nothing will happen, and the sellers are praying to God that some schmuck will show up and buy their property, as is every wholesaler in the count in the world. But the reality of it is, buyers are scared, and when buyers are scared, buying buying uh, intensity slows down. And when that happens, sellers get nervous, real estate brokers get nervous, wholesalers get nervous. Now, I know some of you are living in a in a in a hole or something, and you're thinking, "Oh, everything's fine." Well, everything's not fine because people are scared. People are scared. There's an election coming up. There's all kinds of just bad news everywhere that freaks people out. So if you are in the position to buy, don't sit on the sidelines, guys. Get out there. Put some stress testing into your deals. Really, what does that mean? Well, underwrite it at 50% occupancy. Okay, let's do that. Uh, and you're thinking, well, that's crazy. I'll never get any into pencil. Well, you're right. You won't. But you don't, you don't, it's not 50% occupancy for a whole year. It's 50% occupancy for a period of time. Now, if you're in an area like like a, a marketplace like Florida or Tennessee or Texas where and you're near a big metro or you're in a uh, expanding economy in your area, for example, I'm looking at a market right now that's really sexy to me, and I'm not going to disclose it just yet. It's going to be available. I'm going to talk to it with our investors in the fund, but uh, we've been doing a lot of market research actually on two markets in Florida for multifamily and build, build, build the rent and that type of scenario, um, in this, in Florida. And what I like about these markets is that everybody's coming there. Everybody wants to live there. Highly desirable. Lots of infrastructure, lots of things to do. They get good press. The, the, uh, the counties and the cities in the area are all about their pro development. They really want to, improve the quality of life in their areas. Now that's going to be a draw. I mean, that's somebody out there guys doing work for me. So I'm not going to underwrite 50% occupancy and stress test a deal for an entire year in a marketplace like that, because even with COVID, if I'm talking about long-term rentals now, like keep in mind this episode, we're talking about long-term rentals, not short-term rentals, long-term rentals. I know I'm not going to have 50% occupancy unless, or vacancy, I should say, if we're talking about long terms, I'm not going to have 50% vacancy unless something catastrophic goes wrong with the building. So let's talk about that. Let's say you're looking at a 50-unit deal, and there's 25 units in one building and 25 units in another building, okay, hypothetically. Well, if one building, let's say if you're up north and you got boilers to worry about, and up north, boilers is one of the ways they provide heat. So if in one unit you've got uh, one place you've got a, a brand new boiler and the other place you don't have a brand new boiler, or if you talk about Florida, 
you've got a roof that's on its last legs on one of the buildings, but the other building has got a brand new roof. And then that, that one thing becomes a failure point for you. That, that weak roof or that questionable boiler becomes a failure point. So yes, you can stress test that that thing goes out, but keep in mind how much and how long will it take to solve that problem? So let's talk about a roof because that's something that I experience here in Florida. Average life of lifespan of a roof, if it's a pitched roof, hovers at around 15 to 20 years. Now, you can get 10 different answers and 10 different opinions on that topic, but realistically, you should be able to get 15 to 20 years out of a roof if you maintain a roof. And I'm a maintenance nut. I want to make sure that all my roof penetrations are properly maintained. I put a roofer up, up there every year because the Florida's heat, guys, and the Florida sun is no joke. So I put a roofer up on the roof. It's a couple hundred bucks, and they do a roof inspection. And they tell me, hey, you know, your vent, your vent stack is looking a little peaked there. T, you need to get that squared away. I will pay him a couple hundred bucks. He'll retar that or he'll put a new boot on it or whatever it takes to make sure that I don't get wood rot or advanced decay in my roofs. If you got a boiler, maybe the boiler, and I'm not a boiler guy, so guys, I don't buy in places where it snows, but if you're a boiler person, maybe there's some sort of repair that you can do to get more life out of it to lessen the likelihood of that occupancy or that, that, that uh, vacancy issue. So keep in mind, if a roof goes bad, you're not going to lose all your tenants for a whole year just to replace the roof or if the, but if the roof catastrophically fails, like let's say, I don't know, maybe it's rotted and the hurricane comes and blows the damn thing off the building that can happen if it's not if it's an older roof that can absolutely happen and if it's not hurricane tide that can happen so yeah you can stress test that the roof will blow off but that's kind of a reach isn't it instead maybe you think may use that stress test scenario to say hey i should probably go ahead and have a contractor roofing contractor climb through that attic and strap that roof and do some repairs or hell, let's just replace it 30 days outside of closing and get it done or after closing and get it done. Let's see if the seller will want to share in the, in the cost and keep in mind, guys, you're like, Oh, sellers won't pay for any repairs in this market. Are you, are you crazy? Well, they will pay for repairs in this market. And I'll tell you why they want to sell as bad as you want to buy. So now is a great time to say to the seller, Hey man, this thing need, this roof is kind of questionable. We should go ahead and get done. Would you cover half the cost? Split the cost with me 50-50. Here's the thing, boys and girls. The worst they could say is no. Uh, look at uh, major electrical. Let's say the electric needs a service upgrade or there's it's you know there's some burnt connections or you have aluminum wiring. Well, here's the thing. Instead of trying to financially underwrite for you to lose occupancy based on that or, or to have increased vacancy based on that, Maybe budget to have it done in your in your uh, initial renovations and repairs. Do an electrical service upgrade. Get rid of those. Have all those aluminum wiring terminations bonded. That's a process in which they bond copper connections to it so they don't have the problems associated with aluminum wiring. And this isn't a class on aluminum wiring. You want to learn about aluminum wiring, Google it. But uh, it's an issue, especially here in Florida. It does pop up from time to time. So it's something I always have my inspectors tri triple check for. I check for it, too. Even though I hire inspectors, guys, I stand there at inspection myself going through everything with the inspector. Yes, I know home inspectors. I'm a pain in the ass, but I'm here to take care of, make sure that my investment, our investment, my team and I, the investors and I, we are safe. Our money is safe and we're not going to get caught by these silly little oopsies that, oopsies that other people get caught in. What other things can you stress test for? Well, you know, you can stress test for, you know, the, the sun falling off its kilter and a, 
uh, EMP and the stock market crashing. But let's be honest, guys, you're looking for major gotchas, things that are absolutely beyond your control. And then the next question is, how do we mitigate some of that? Well, it's called reserves, right? So if you've got something coming up like a roof and maybe you just don't have enough money raised to do the roof or you're not quite ready to do the roof, maybe it's rainy season and now's a bad time to peel the roof off because you're going to potentially cause damage. When can you get it done and then build it in your business plan? Every good syndicator, every good real estate investor has a business plan of how they're going to attack their deal. They're going to come in on day one and they're going to do blank, blank, blank. And then on day two, they're going to do blank, blank, blank. They have a, a plan, at least they should anyway, of how to handle and how to manage this asset. Who's going to oversee construction repairs? Who's going to be on site? How does that impact occupancy? For example, when we're looking at Seaport Inn, we had a staircase that we had to be replaced right away because it's not structurally sound. And that had to happen like literally on day one. And that was, if we had gone through with that deal, that was going to be our plan. Our day one project was uh, go ahead and, and replace that stairway. And I say by day one, they're going to, we're basically going to empty out the second floor and because there's three apartments upstairs and we're going to get that thing done literally the day after closing, they're going to start construction. They're going to take down the old one get the new one built. It's going to be out for about a week. We'd take the property offline for a week, and then we'd have a brand new one, get our permits passed, and all off we go to the races. So guys, when you're looking at these deals, even as a passive investor, you need to be thinking about these stress test things. Hey, Jimmy, have you? what happens if we have a COVID lockdown? How does that affect the rents on this property? As a matter of fact, do you have any records? It doesn't hurt to ask, guys. I know they probably don't have records, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Do you have any any rent rolls from 2020 and early 2021 that we could see? Because you're going to want to see how many people freaked out and stopped paying rent or lost their jobs or got in the, their company got shut down or whatever it may be. That's going to give you a real accurate picture of what you're working with. And here's the thing, guys. You can build reserves to allow for these things. Now, it's not an ideal scenario, but it's better than doing a capital call. It's better than letting a deal go back to the bank because you didn't apply a stress test and you didn't think about the stuff up front, you can solve all these problems up front if you take the time to line them out. If you guys get stuck on this stuff and you, you're you underwriting a deal or maybe you're thinking about investing in someone's deal and you want me to take a look at it and see or you want to stress test the thing together, talk about the market, anything like that, then you get on the phone and you give me a call. You go to cashflowguys.com, uh, up on the top right, you click the book Tyler or ask Tyler button and get on my calendar. Let's have a conversation. That said, if you haven't invested with us, then you need to head over to keywestcashflow.com, uh, whack that button and get on a call with me. Reach out to me. We are still taking on capital. We're out there looking for opportunity. You're going to miss out because we're not going to be at this forever, guys. Uh, I hope that uh, those of you that are out there doing deals that you're taking the time to listen to the words I'm saying and that you're going to stress test these deals. You're going to be smart about what you're doing and you're going to invest safely because I assure you there is a massive transfer of wealth happening right now as we're speaking. And I would hate for you to miss out on it because it's going to be great. There's just some great stuff coming right now. So stay tuned guys, more great stuff to come and I will catch up with you next week. Have a good one. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.